I just want to acknowledge this very special day beyond what we've already acknowledged. And you've heard me say it, it's Shavuot and, and Pentecost. Well, Passover, as you well know, was the tremendous exodus and deliverance of God's people. And I wrote to you that, you know, the Lord moved in fury for the deliverance of his people, Passover. How many of you know the Lord still moves in fury for the deliverance of his people? How many of you, if you say, Lord, I, I could use a little deliverance, huh? don't be ashamed, put your hand on up there, right? Say, I could use a little deliverance. And how many of you say, I know somebody else that could use a little deliverance, right? Yeah. Do I hear an amen? Yes. And so we do know that the Lord has a, an amazing, amazing way of putting everything together in a harmony and symphony that shows us he's over time. Interesting how the Lord can give us some parameters that almost repeat themselves, but they don't. But mathematically in this great universe and of all the years and spans of seconds and minutes, I don't know if anybody here has ever done a study to try to determine how many seconds have passed uh, since Adam. Nobody. Me neither. So, and I'm not going to, but I know it's a lot. And I know if we break it down into minutes and then we move it up into hours and days and weeks and years, it's a span of time, isn't it? So we look back and we see Passover. We understand that it was about 430 years that the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. They sort of lost their identity. They still murmured and complained and cried out to the God of Israel, but they had lost that relationship with the God of Israel. And while we get a hint that they tried to keep days and different things that they were told to keep, we're understanding that they probably didn't. They got assimilated into their culture. And today we find ramping up several thousand years, the same tendency for humanity is to assimilate into its culture. And in assimilating into the culture, sorting to forget the things that are important of God and the ways of God and the commands of God and obedience to God. And we find ourselves right now here in this country and throughout the world in that predicament, don't we? We have people who say they know God, but they don't fear God. And we have many people who say they believe even in Jesus Christ, but they're not walking in obedience to Jesus Christ. Now some, it's because they have some weaknesses and they need some help, and others, it's just downright rebellion. Only the Lord knows how to sort that out. But we understand Passover came, and after Passover, then there was a time when the Lord told the children of Israel to celebrate. And they did it with a waving offering, it's in Leviticus, and they began to call it the first fruits. And it was the celebration of the first seven weeks of the first fruits. So now you understand Shavuot and Pentecost, even though it means 50 and you say, wait a minute, it's seven weeks. It's because it's the seven weeks after the first day of that. And so we see that Shavuot came 
And there was the Feast of the Seven Weeks, and the Seven Weeks was celebrating. Now, they didn't have a whole lot to celebrate in the desert because it was given to them as they went to Moses, but it echoes back to it. And they began to celebrate through the law of Moses and, and what was called the harvest. And so we had the first fruits of harvest after Passover, after Passover. And that began the first day. Very interesting in that because it really wasn't the prime harvest time yet in, in the Mideast and in Israel. So they had to make a sacrifice of faith, and that's why the Lord did it. And they had to sacrifice the very first thing they had to the Lord on that first day after Passover, believing in faith that seven weeks later they would have a harvest. And they would, sac they would sacrifice that and acknowledge him, listen to this, as the God who provides and the good God of the harvest. Jesus Christ said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So we see the parallels. We see that the Lord of the harvest of the souls and of our life abundantly is Jesus Christ. And so then we understand that we fast forward and, and Moses comes on the scene and we have a, an issue with Moses where the Lord calls him up into the mountain and by the very finger of God, 49 days after the first day of the celebration of the Exodus from Egypt, the hand of God writes the Ten Commandments by his finger, the fire of the finger of God, in the fire written. And so we understand that this then becomes Shavuot. And it's 50 days, 49 days after the first day, which is the seven weeks of the feast. And the Lord tells him, keep this day, honor it. Now on that day, they also bring their harvest to the Lord and they sacrifice lambs, etc. But this time they're bringing it, celebrating to the Lord as the God of harvest who has blessed them because of the faith they had on the day after. Today, we're gonna proceed in faith. I just had somebody text me a couple days ago who's going through a very, very difficult time. I tend to have that I don't know. I just have that compassion, I guess, but the Lord always has me find people who are going through the most difficult times. I won't mention names. Some of them are in the news and stuff. And I just let them know that there's a God in heaven who loves them and that I'm praying for them. And this particular gentleman wrote back to me and said, pray that I get faith. I thought that was honest and humble. Pray that I have faith. And then, of course, I prayed for the measure of faith and quoted the scripture of God. If any of you shall ask and lacking wisdom, ask him and he shall give you that wisdom and that wisdom leads to the faith. So we ask him for faith. So we end up with the law written by the very finger of God and that's Shavuot and that's what, that's what you're going to find that your Orthodox Jews, etc., and even in Israel today, it's very similar to our culture here. We can't be too harsh on them because there are many, many more Israelites who aren't walking with a faith in the God of Israel than there are those that are. Those who've lived there will tell you many, many more, and that each generation it's increasing more and more. But they celebrate the day. And they celebrate the day because it, it acknowledges that this was the feast of seven weeks from when God gave the law to the children of Israel. And he called them his special people. Now we fast forward 
and we get to the point of Jesus Christ coming on earth and after his period of time in his humanity, he gets baptized. Well, baptism is very significant as we'll understand here in a moment, but he gets baptized and in that moment there's a transformation. He transforms always the Son of God, always God and also man, but now there's a complete filling of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he went out filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he baptized and came up out of the water, we know that the dove descended from heaven on him. On him. And he was able to fulfill his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is an understanding for us, for us to be able to walk and do what we can do in the power and might of God. We too must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are those in a religious mindset who say that was for that time only and bless them. And I'm not saying they're not going to make their way into heaven. You know, you believe in Jesus Christ. That's what we're required to do. But I, I feel some compassion for people who deny the power of the Holy Spirit because then they're powerless in their own might. And they wonder why they never really get to that level and that point and People become overzealous religious in order to offset it who love God and fear God but don't want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit or believe that it's for somebody else or for something else. We'll get to that another time. Jesus, we understand, is crucified, right? And Jesus is crucified, and it tells us in the Scriptures that he rose from the dead and became our first fruits, when he became our first fruit, it's the first fruit of those who rise from the death of sin. That's him and that's you and that's I. So we celebrate the day after resurrection just like Shavuot celebrates the day, 49 days later, seven weeks. We celebrate that day as the day of first fruits right after Passover, or we would we reference it even though it's the wrong date, Easter. But now you count 49 days, seven weeks of seven days later, and you come to Pentecost. And it collides with Shavuot, because that's 49 days after the first day, the first fruits of the giving of the law. So you have a fulfillment. Listen to the prophetic side of this. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Do you think it's a coincidence that it all happens on the same day? That Pentecost and the fire and the tongues and the Holy Spirit come on the same day that the very finger of the Lord God Almighty himself wrote the Ten Commandments. They collide. And the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ by the giving of the Holy Spirit. And instead of us having to memorize You tell me how many laws there are. I know all the difference. There's 413, and if you really want to stretch them and get into Talmudic, you could get to 700 and some. Have a nice time reading and trying to figure them all out. Been there and done that. But we don't need to do that because he will teach us the ways of God. He will be our conscience in the things of God. And the Holy Spirit will speak to us. How many of you can say with glee 
that you've had moments when the Holy Spirit has spoken to you to do or not to do something, to stay, to go. He, he infused you and imparted with you something that you know was from God. Right? Isn't that wonderful? And isn't it wonderful that we can walk in those divine steps, not just by chance, but walking in the Spirit of God, if we abide in the Spirit of God. We have a choice. We have the same choice that everybody has. We can accept and walk in the ways of the obedience of God and make it our mindset and our lifestyle, or we can make the Holy Spirit a hobby that we activate in church, that we activate when we're around other people who are activating it, or we can make the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit himself, our lifestyle. Now, I have to tell you, I work at it. How many of you don't have to work at Holy Spirit being your lifestyle? How many of you just are perfect every day? You never have a bad day, you never get angry, you never, you never uh, sort of lose it a little bit, you never start to doubt, have a little bit of fear, you're a little bit of worry and anxiety come down upon you. I'm the only one, right? The rest of y'all, you're just perfect. You're not even laughing. Hello. <laughs> hey, you're supposed to say, no, me too, me too. You make me feel good. Yeah. But we can. We can come to that place as we understand the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we understand that that Holy Spirit has been purposed for you, purchased for you. You see, Holy Spirit can't come and dwell in, in an unclean vessel. How many of you know that? Holy Spirit cannot come and dwell in an unclean vessel. He would come upon whom he would come upon, as we understand in what we call the Old Testament, and Holy Spirit can be involved, but he can't dwell in an unclean vessel. He's holy. And if your unclean vessel is what? If it's not blood washed from sin, then Holy Spirit can't dwell inside of you. He can nudge you. He can warm you. He can be involved with you. I mean, I can look back in times of my life when not only didn't I give a hoot about the things of God, I literally chose to rebel the things of God, but Holy Spirit was still there. Not in me, but for me. Because somebody somewhere was praying for me. Somebody somewhere made a prayer. How many of you know that somebody somewhere could have dedicated their family line way before you were ever born? Come on. How many of you know that? How many of you know that it could have been somebody somewhere in another country of your heritage that asked the Lord to go through their bloodline and preserve the seed of their seed of their seed? How many of you know that goes back to the prayer of the patriarchs? How many of you know that it goes back to the prayer of Jesus Christ coming here in the seed of David in the house of David? You see, the Lord is very serious about seed and about your seed, and he honors that. We can make choices. We could stray. We could go away. But Holy Spirit will never quit nagging at those that the Lord has made a covenant with and that should give you great relief and comfort to know if you have seed that is rebelling, if you have concerns, etc., etc., they will not be able to outrun Holy Spirit. 
will not, and the Lord will never forsake them. He will hold on to them. They will look you in the face and laugh and tell you things you don't want to hear and let you try to convince you that they're godless or they don't care, that your ways don't make sense, that you're ignorant, that you're foolish, and all you need to do is smile and say, I love you and the Lord loves you too, because he will not let go. How many of you here are a testimony that God didn't let go? Hmm? Isn't that awesome? So we have this destiny, this destiny that starts with all the way back to Adam, right? And then they start talking about the seed in the womb and the Lord prize it forth. It comes to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It comes forward to Moses, the Gael, the Israeli Gael, the great deliverer. We come to Exodus and Passover the day after 49 days later, we get the writing of the Torah, Shavuot, and then we fast forward and we come to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ resurrected the first day up. He's the first fruits of Shavuot, the fulfillment of the law. Do you understand? He fulfilled all the law on the cross. He fulfilled it all. He said, I haven't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill a lot of people scratch their head. But it's uneasy when we understand it. Another whole time, we can get into that stuff. But, and then we have Pentecost. And let's just read a little bit about Pentecost because we're going to be closing down. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now, I have all kinds of scriptures. We could go to Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 37, Zechariah, Joel 2, 28. There's all kinds of scriptures that reference the same thing from the prophets. And that is that he said, the day's going to come when I'm going to put my law in your hearts. And I'm going to dwell inside your hearts. And I'm going to abide with you, and you're going to abide with me. And you're going to be my people. And I'm just squeezing it all together from the prophets for you. Because as you read it, he kept foretelling it through his prophets, foretelling. They didn't understand this day of Pentecost, and neither did those who were in that upper room praying and waiting. They just knew with an anticipation that Jesus said, go and abide. I would venture to say some of them thought he was just going to come right back on that given day if they just waited long enough. But instead, he said, I must go, but I'm going to send you one greater than me. He will be able to do more than me because I'm just one. He's all, and he's going to abide in all of you, and he's going to teach you everything you need to know. He's going to give you power from on high. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Now, there's been so many sermons about one accord. Let me just say something to you. One accord is very important. Hello. One accord is very important. Boy, I'll tell you what. You all up late last night watching a game. What were you all? Did you eat too much? Did somebody here? How many of you had barbecue or something yesterday? You still, still, yeah, you're still, okay. You're sleeping a little bit. Hey, 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 hey. Okay. Hey, all in one accord. Church needs to be one accord. Government needs to be one accord. The opposite of one accord is discord. And things that aren't in one accord are disconnected. And they're not walking in the power and in the fluidity of what God has. Listen to me. If you're married, it's a blessing. You need to be in one accord. If you're not in one accord, you better figure out how to get in one accord. And and the best thing is to humble yourself. You don't have to be right. (laughs) You don't have, come on, Jim, you don't have to be right. (laughs) You're laughing, that's why I'm picking on you. Well, 
I see Nancy, welcome back, Nancy. Nancy, you don't have to be right. Brian, for sure you don't have to be right. You just, you just have to let go and understand that the one accord is more important than anything else. You know what, you know what serves, I'm just, now I'm in the Holy Ghost. You know what serves one accord? This isn't my message, but you know what serves it? Do you know what serves one accord? First of all, commitment. Commitment. You're just committed, period. No matter what, you're committed. It's like to God. I'm committed no matter what to God, right? I don't know about y'all, but, but, but you know something big is going to happen when a hell storm releases on you, right? I mean, it's surgical. It's strategical. It comes from all different ways. Slaps you down, makes you silly. Been through there not too long ago to the point where you can't even think right. But then you have to know who you are and you have to say, you know what, I know God's about to do something because that hell storm came to try and stop what God was about to do. Because the enemy of your soul and your life, they see these massings of angels, they hear the voices, they hear the directives, they, they, they try to hear aloud the prayers, they see things and people and places moving and God putting them in position and in place. There's so much activity that you don't see that's, that's in the world all around you, the Spirit. But you know the other thing besides commitment? Hmm? You want to know what it is? You don't? Does anybody want to know what it is? Jimmy, thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy, it's called transparency. You've got to be transparent. To whom? To your wife, to your husband. Some call it intimacy. Intimacy sometimes gets locked in. It's hard for some people to be too in intimate, but we can all be transparent if we make a decision to be transparent. I made that decision a while ago in business to be transparent, and you know what? It's changed my business life completely. Sometimes I'm transparent to a fault. I tell people just like it is. I jump just like it is where it is and when it is. Boom. Sometimes maybe I need a little more polish, but most of the time it just feels good and I let it go and it's all good. But you know, people know where they stand when you're transparent. I can handle it, you can handle somebody who you might not quite agree with, but if they're being truthful with you about where they're at, you can accept that and deal with that. It's when people are sneaky and manipulative. Don't let that happen in your marriage. If it's happening, stop it right now. Do you know one of the worst sermons I ever had to give was to a thousand pastors in Bequisimeto, Venezuela. I was talking about the glory in the Holy Spirit and the Lord stopped me. He said, you can't preach to them. I can't let my Holy Spirit fall here. They're too filthy. Tell them. <laughs> I told you this story before, but I got to remind you now. I didn't want to tell them. I turned my back. I said, I need a minute. The Lord's speaking to me. And I was arguing with God. said, God, I, these people brought me here. I'm, I'm their... I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, the main spokesman for three days. There's over a thousand pastors and their wives that came for revival. They're getting beat up all over the place in Venezuela. You want me to tell them what? That they're filthy. And that I can't minister myself to them. And he said, I see them at night. I see them on their devices. I see them on their computers. I see pornography. I see foul stuff. I see them manipulating and lying to their spouses and holding on to their children with filthy hands. I said, wow. First thing I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm kids me. And I turned around and I hit it. Transparent. And in the course of 30 minutes, there was over 500 pastors at the altar, both male and female, 
their spouses behind them repenting to God. And you know what he said? Tell them if they can't handle their devices, give it to their spouses. And whatever they do, be accountable to their spouses with their advices. Don't shut your, your spouses out of your devices. You're not the world. You're one. Transparency and commitment. Same thing with God. Don't shut God out of certain areas of our lives. You're one. He can't be one with you unless he's one with you in everything. Don't expect God to bless you in one thing when you're telling God you don't want him involved in something else. We're in the predicament we're at in this country right now with school after school after school having terror with people going in and shooting our children because we threw God out of the schools back in the 60s. We threw them out. But we want them to be there when we want them, but we don't want them to be there when we don't want them. We want the First Amendment when it works, but we don't want the First Amendment when it doesn't work. And so what kindled in Columbine has become a terrible, terrible curse upon this land. In my own opinion, I don't believe it'll stop until our educators, our principals, and our officials get on their knees and repent to God for throwing him out of school. And it will stop just like that. If and when that happens, watch what happens. That gate will be closed from the pit of hell. So here we sit in a wonderful time, a time of Pentecost, a time celebrating the Holy Spirit given to us freely to all who will ask and be clean. So right now what we want to do is believe God for what he said. We want to just come to him humbly before him. And we just want to ask him again, no matter how you think you stand or you don't stand, let's just ask the Lord to cleanse us here on Pentecost. Let's ask for a fresh indwelling, a fresh cleansing, a fresh indwelling of the Spirit of God. Listen, you don't have to, you don't have to be wise in Scripture. <laughs> You and I, we've seen people, we've, we've ministered with people that even have a Bible who received Jesus Christ. Right, Rob? You were just sharing that with me yesterday, one of the greatest witnesses of your life in a foreign country. I got it. We don't see it here because we're so spoiled and blessed with everything. We don't, we don't get an old Bible and we're so happy we got it that we revere every page. Many have Bibles and don't even open them. Have you ever given a Bible to someone in their own language that just learned the Lord and they, they open it up and they oh, it's the most precious thing they've ever received, the living Word of God. 